0: Okay, we wanted to talk today about music, and specifically, what music did our parents listen to, and how did it affect our music? Did we run away from what they listened to? Do we run toward it and then in there, we're also going to talk about what was our first c d we bought? what was that first c d and i I do want to specify it's c d We're all well, I'm farther in age gap between. The three of you, the two of you, but you guys are well. No, actually, I think we have a pretty good break between our ages, right? I'm nearing fifty, as they call it, I think in Japan. And <laughs> although I really am nearing fifty, I will be fifty this year. But I think in Japan, isn't it like if you're forty two, you're nearing fifty or something? Really? Is that Makoto, a thing? Makoto told me that he said if you're if you're forty-five, maybe it's if you're forty-five, you're automatically ter- termed as nearing the next decade. You don't. It's not like fifty. Forty-eight is nearing fifty. It's you're f- nearing whatever the next decade is. If you're f- within, like with even up really? to five years in advance. No way. Yeah, that's a bit depressing. Yeah. It is. So I am, but I actually am nearing fifty. You, are, Justin, you're you're nearing fifty as well, <laughs> uh, because you're forty-one. And Salim is nearing 40, I guess, because you're 29. That's, 31. That's, 30. Yes, that,
1: that, that, that's, that's correct. I, I am nearing 40 as I am 29 right
0: now. Okay, so we do actually have a pretty good, like, we have almost 10 decades, 10 years between each of us. Yeah. So this is a good topic because CDs entered our world at different times. Yeah. So, okay, and then we're going to talk about faking it till you make it. I don't know if you've seen the movie Boiler Room, but Ben Affleck oh, in yeah. the boardroom, he says, you're, today you're going to act as if. It's yep. all about faking it till you make it. So, I want to find out the real world application of it. Do we do it? Have we seen it? What do we think about it? Mm-hmm. And then we've got our rapid fire, which we're going to get into. Yeah. Sound good?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And awesome. a weird news. Justin's got something weird that he didn't share with us in advance. At least I didn't see it. I find weird news, knowing beforehand goes either way. Sometimes it's great, because then you can sort of be ready for it, but then it's also kind of nice to get a surprise sometimes. So, Mm, yeah. anyway. All right, I think we're ready to go. So, music, what music, uh, Salim, did your parents' music... Well, first of all, what kind of music did your parents listen to?
1: So, um, my parents had very, very different taste in music, and... My – essentially, it it kind of uh, – let's put it this way. I mean, in in the car where my father would be driving typically, uh, we listened to a lot of ABBA. And my mother, who I actually didn't get to listen to a lot of music that she would listen to because she would typically listen to it on her own uh, without sharing it with everyone else in the family – uh, she'd often be listening to the Beatles or Japanese music, which I did not understand and often did not care about. And the ABBA part was interesting because I wasn't too into it early on, but as I grew a little bit older and got into my sort of mid, mid teens, 15-ish, I started appreciating abba a lot more uh and maybe it was also the influence of people around me some of my friends uh had also started to appreciate abba a little bit uh and but where influence comes in uh, there was not a lot of that I I I was never really too influenced by what they what they listened to uh partially because they were not necessarily big music people anyway so, I didn't get to listen to a whole lot of stuff that they used to listen to, uh, and for me, it was really more about sort of finding my own way with music.
0: Okay. Which so but yeah. are well, you an well, ABBA well, fan well, today? Would you turn on ABBA and listen to it like on your own?
1: I I, I would. Yeah, I would. I like mm. ABBA. I think it's 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 I don't know. It's cheer, cheerful. Maybe is the word. Uh, some it, something. Uplifting. Uh, when I want to listen to something uplifting, I'll, I'll listen to a bit of Abba.
0: I like Abba. Day. Yeah, some Abba. Yeah, yeah. Mo- oh, actually, ABBA. I like most Abba. Most yeah. of it. It's good stuff, really,
1: and um, you know, I, I I I really appreciated it once um, I'd reached a certain age. I think when you're like, I don't know, when I was listening to it early on at age eight, I could not. I just couldn't appreciate it or understand it at the time.
0: But is your like of Abba now in any way linked to the fact your your father father right? Listen, to yeah, him.
1: yeah, father. I, I I'd say so. I mean, if, if he hadn't been listening to it, I wouldn't have gotten sort of. I, I I probably part of the reason why I like it, I think, is because it was kind of in my brain, like so, so, somewhere in the back of my head, it was there. And when I got to appreciate it as music in its own right, by by myself, it kind of it, that those memories kind of came back, and uh, mm. so there is definitely so you do some think influence of, there.
0: You think yeah. of those car rides when you're I,
1: I definitely think of those car, car rides, especially the hmm. longer trips when it would be on the nostalgia. Loop. Then yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for for me, my parents are. Yeah, my mother, I wouldn't say really I had any musical influence from her in terms of what she listened to. Similar probably to you, Justin. It was always, or Salim, it was my father who played the music either in the car or in the, in the, when you said in the car, it reminded me of, and again, generational, when my dad would play the eight track player, the eight track player, actually under dash mounted, eight track player. <laughs> Which I had a collection of um, folk music, mostly was what my dad was into. Mm. And when I think of the the, did I run away from it as a kid? I did because my friends' parents were listening to things like Elvis or Neil Diamond or things like that. That when I would when they say, "What is your parent? What do your parents listen to?" And I'd be, "Well, uh, Buffy Saint Marie," and people would be like, "Huh?" Uh, or the Carter Family, so really old old folk music that's like goes as far back almost as recordings go. The Carter Family, what like what? So what, what, I what, I ran
1: what age like what? Sorry, what like what decade is that? I have I'd be no, like no
0: clue. Twenties or something? 20s. Maybe? Oh wow. Would it be yeah, that? Okay. Right, is it yeah. that far back or that? I think it was they were around in Then they're a family, hence the name family. But there's a connection, right, with June Carter. Who is uh, Johnny Cash's wife? She's from the Carter family. So it actually, I think, when they were in their heyday, would have probably been maybe, maybe it was further not as far back as the 20s. Justin is looking it up. I can tell. No, 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 no. He's not. <laughs> no. We need a producer, by the way. I think we need, a, a, we, need we need somebody.
2: Throw, well, pretty soon we're going to have to say throw it to Eric in the booth. You know.
0: That's true. Yeah. He. We do. We should be throwing that. T- well, I don't know what would happen if we threw it to him in the booth now. he's only well he's thirteen. geez, people are doing a lot of things at thirteen that uh, <laughs> he certainly should be capable but so that's my story. I ran away from it because I just these names never meant anything to anybody and but now I like listening to some folk music. I don't think I would put Wildwood flower on in the car, which is a Carter family song, but I can appreciate it, and I I'm okay with it, but I definitely ran away with it from it as a kid. How about you, Justin?
2: Yeah, I, you both know that uh, my background's Latin. Um, my parents are first-generation Americans, so as such, you know you're kind of you're existing in two different cultures, um, and I think that played a big influence on their music, which then played a big influence on me. So, for them, they grew up you know a lot around a lot of traditional Latin music, a, a lot of salsa. Uh, some merengue. Uh, and then as they got older, they cultivated their own tastes and they were really into funk, jazz, uh, Motown, awesome. Philadelphia sound. Oh,
0: geez. See, if I had been, t- that's what the stuff I wanted to say to my friends that I was listening <laughs> to. That's cool. That's, yeah. that's good yeah. stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, and then and and they were obviously into you know the pop of their age too, like because they were essentially children of the sixties. They they grew up in a time of what we now call classic rock. You know, I I got to hear Grateful Dead and Beatles and all, Doors and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff because of them and because of other relatives and and whatnot. And then by the time wow. I was a kid, going through the eighties and into the early nineties. You know, it, it extended out into the pop of that time. So, you know, a lot of Michael Jackson and Genesis and Whitney Houston and Pet Shop Boys and everything in oh between. God.
0: Your parents They're, were listening to that?
2: Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. So th- now that, that, what's yeah. what
0: what what's so what's funny about that is that I'm feeling the generation. I'm starting to feel like I could be <laughs> like your your dad. Because I listened to the Pet Shop Boys right. Genesis. Right. And it's making and I'm realizing now that when when it came into your world, you were much younger. You were ten years younger than me. Right. And when I was listening to Pet Shop Boys, it was when they were coming out. Yeah. When I was in high school.
2: Sixteen to eighteen, yeah. Yeah. And I was six to eight basically. So, you know, like mid eighties to late eighties, when you're, when you're reaching your mid to late teenage years and I'm reaching, you know, the, the, the early formative years of kind of creating my own identity as many kids do, you know, I'm in that sign of six to 10 range. Um, I, I was hearing a lot of that stuff exposed to a lot of that stuff, but In parallel to that, I spent a lot of my summers in the Bronx. And uh, I had an uncle who was really into the early forms of what we call hip-hop. And I was around a lot of graffiti writers, break dancers, DJs, and MCs. So all of that music is sampling all of what we just described. It was mainly coming from jazz and funk, but it was also coming from rock and other areas. So because I had that formative uh, early experience and then getting this exposure to this new version of taking all of that music and reinterpreting it and building upon it. I just fell in love with hip hop and that, that didn't close me off to genres that just made me open up even more. And it made me want to explore more and more and more. And, you know, when I started hearing about, you know, like early electronic industrial groups like Kraftwerk, you know, from Germany, they were the ones that, that, you know, are some of the initial sounds that lay the foundation of what early hip hop was. And For me, uh, you know, hip hop is what I fell in love with, but I had all these other pieces that kind of made up the ingredients of that recipe to, to kind of lock in on hip hop. And I've never, I've never necessarily closed myself off to anything else, but I always kind of circle back to hip hop.
0: Yeah. I went through a a reggae phase in my high school days or leading into my twenties. We, I worked at a restaurant and, um, in the in the kitchen a lot of, there were a lot of uh, guys back there that were very influenced or liked reggae music so they would play it on the big ghetto blaster and so i i started to get into reggae and and actually a lot of hip hop music because of, of that influence so i was more i think i was more influenced by the the guys in the kitchen at my my restaurant job than my my parents i remember my parents my mother hinted at being an elvis fan and I was like, okay, I can work with that. I can work with that. Yeah, I mean, for the listeners that you
2: know, know you, they know where you, you, you reside. But for those from a music standpoint don't really know, I mean, Toronto has a very large Afro-Caribbean uh, population. And, and that in turn has, has exposed to a lot of folks in that area to uh, reggae, calypso, and, and different forms of, uh, of Afro-Caribbean music for people that have lived there for decades for generations
0: plus we have drake
1: <laughs> plus you have drake yeah <laughs> yeah you have drake i mean that that's all fascinating to me really cuz it m- from my from my background it, it was just completely different gr- growing up in in egypt uh where um the the western influence is is kind of limited to what y- we get from 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 media purely from me from from the media uh so i was not exposed to Lots of different types of music from an from an early age. So for me, it was more what 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 is mainstream. So essentially, I mean, it's basically what what was on MTV at the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and uh, from there, sort of what gets picked up on on local radios a little bit. Uh, but then, by and large, it's also going to be local music, like local Egyptian uh, Arabic music is still going to be really predominant. Uh, where, because of my ba- because I was born in the U.S. Uh, as well, uh, and, and English was my first language, I was always more more comfortable with English music uh, as opposed to Arabic. But Arabic music was everywhere. Uh, but the only way for me to get English access to English music was kind of also from the mainstream. So, growing up in the early two thousands, it was a lot of uh, sort of mainstream pop. Uh, but then also, um, you know, uh, kind of sort of along along the same lines, but also, you know, uh, mainstream uh, hip hop rap as well was really, really influential for, for me growing up in a place where you just don't have that kind of broad access to, to different types of particularly Western music.
0: When How old were you when you left the US? I was six. So uh, I left... The US H six and that was in ninety eight. Okay, so you probably don't have a lot of memory of the music you would have been hearing there. No, no, not not, not not at all. Not at all. So do you remember what was on MTV when you were when it came on? Like what song can you name a song that you remember seeing on MTV?
1: Um yeah. Uh well and, and this is kind of where uh my where where my love for kind of rap actually started, uh, one of my, one of the earlier, earlier songs that I'd listened to on MTV was, uh, cleaning out my closet by Eminem. And, mm. uh, when I heard that for the first time, and, and that was probably, I think that was 2000 and uh, 2002 when, when the, um, when the same album, uh, came out, um, yeah, that I mean that that was probably so one. So that of my, was on MTV. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean that was that was definitely on M T V. Uh Shakira um was uh like was was something that I, I remember vividly. Again, that was probably like two thousand and one, two thousand and uh Uh what, what was that song? I can't even I can't even remember the name. Uh, but it was like one of the Whenever, movies. wherever? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like that. I mean, that was that was eye opening for me because I was like, "Damn! Like, what? What, what is? What is this? <laughs> um, is this a callback so, to the Baywatch
2: discussion we had previously on another episode? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, prob- probably. Formative right? years, not? yeah, formative <laughs>
1: years, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 what it's what you see what you see on TV, right? Uh, and driving and, and, on a, an a ATV
0: on the beach with Shakira blasting. <laughs> that was your ideal job.
1: That was my, my ideal job. Right? Yeah, hundred percent exactly. But yeah, I mean, the, the, those were the kind of um, sort of early influences. And then for me, like you know, there is early two thousands. There's there's just like there's there's so so much, right? I mean, everything from like I said that, like Eminem uh, to to Britney Spears, right? And I was and I, and I was into all, like all that, you know, whether it was uh, then you know going into um you know some i know some some other genres as well i mean um probably not exactly from from the time but uh something like i got some, like metallica was something that i got uh mm-hmm. into sort of in in those early to 2000s years for me as well mm-hmm. which is sort of you know completely different uh, mm-hmm. i had uh i, I you know I, I loved maroon 5 mm-hmm. as well uh, mm. And and you, and you see, like these are all just completely different, but uh, they're really that's all a, really in, good in, influential mix. in different ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when when I look at some like my my playlists to this day, there's no one genre that I listen to. It's just completely uh, mm. a, like a mishmash of different things.
0: Well, that's something I pride myself on is a pretty wide range of music. Whereas I, my parents. They never really followed the the genres, like, or or the the time period. They had their their fixed set of music. Like to this day, there would not be a song within the last, gosh, twenty years, probably that my father would ever link back to. I think the closest he might get to that might be something like "I will always." No, I was going to say "I will always love you" by Whitney Houston, but he would have had the Dolly Parton original reference. Bingo, and would not have probably cared that much about the remake. To him, it'd be like, you know, Clark, that song was popular before Whitney Houston came along. And he said yeah, that she's many shang- times. She about- sang the hell out of it, though. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Have you heard the Dolly Parton version?
2: Yeah, of course, of course. And and even Dolly different... Say it.
0: different yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, before we move on, because I think we do need to, let's quickly... What was the first CD that you owned? Salim, do you remember? Uh, yeah,
1: it was... Um referencing back to Eminem, it was the, it was the Eminem show. Uh, and, um, Mm -hmm. that was a, a, the album, I think it was third album, um, that came out in 2002 uh, Mm -hmm. and had, uh, songs like without me and Mm -hmm. uh, my closet, uh, business. Mm -hmm. Uh, and these were all, I mean, and, and right after that, actually eight mile, the movie came out, uh, yeah. and um, the my squad cast uh, name here, B Rabbit, is actually a, a reference in the movie that was Eminem's character uh, mm-hmm. then, and, oh, and, and yeah. he sang he sang "Lose Yourself," which was then sort of one of the most influential songs for me, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. I, I, in my life, and some a song that. when i I saw for the first time i just absolutely fell in love with it and um it was me and my friends and we were all singing singing it together whenever whenever it came on mtv uh and and, you know then you'd buy sort of buy the music and um it was just um yeah uh super super influential and and something that's that's still with me to this day yeah in case anyone's
0: wondering what Squadcast is it's the Mm. platform we're using to record this (laughs) podcast They don't sponsor the show, but I am a member of their testing team. Just throwing that out there. Justin.
2: No, I was just going to say that the influence of that song culturally, not just in the moment, but but long term, is is astonishing. Because... I mean, you go to any sporting event now and it's the song that they play during these key moments in the game, just like they used to play songs by Queen and ACDC and things like that. These key moments where they want to get the the crowd riled up. That song has such immense resonance for for a wide swath of people, ages and and backgrounds now. It's truly astonishing what what he was able to do. uh, at that time and and also to recognize i mean let's be honest he also had uh, the greatest producer of his generation making his album and, and influencing a lot of things he had dr dre you know whispering mm-hmm. it right into his ear so it, it's a it was an am- amazing um time for for hip-hop and for for uh, his uh, his pushback to where pop had kind of gone because you were mentioning before about you know Maroon Five and some of the other groups. I mean, Backstreet Boys and Sync, all of that stuff really popped off in the late '90s, going into the early 2000s. And you know, it's no different than the grunge era in the early '90s, pushing back against um, some of the uh, rock that was happening at the time previous to that. I mean, I, I feel very strongly that Eminem was a, a big counter to what had been going on in pop. And he was kind of holding to account, you know, and changing the, the taste of people.
1: Totally. On yeah. yeah. All
0: right. What was your first CD, Justin?
2: Uh, again, influence of my parents. Um, I got uh, Gloria Estefan in the Miami Sound Machine, uh, Let It Loose. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that, that album had uh, Anything For You, um, Rhythm Is Gonna Get You, uh, Can't Stay Away uh, one, two, three. Those were all huge hits. I think, I think they had like five or six like singles that hit the top twenty-five or top fifty um, from that album. And it, it, it definitely poisoned me too because I, I saved money from doing chores in the neighborhood. This is when I was living in Puerto Rico. Um, it, I saved. Uh, money from doing chores and i bought this album and it had a bunch of bangers on the album and that is not how albums were (laughs) you know like what does that
0: mean bangers well
2: uh great great tracks great songs great cuts so you know the reality is most of the time you you save 15 20 dollars and you buy a cd maybe there's one or two and like there's a bunch of schlock and in between. So, you know, it completely skewed what, what, what my expectations were going to be going from there on out whenever I bought uh, a CD. But my family was pretty slow with technology. They were really good with their expansiveness of, of musical taste, but very slow with technology. So we didn't have a CD player. And then all of a sudden we had a five disc carousel in my, in my parents' setup. And that, that gave me permission to go ahead and, buy my own so saved up some money went to the uh, the big mall in the, n- near the capital of Puerto Rico and uh, bought my first CD while my father was at the uh, baseball card shop
0: oh your father went to baseball card shop I mean you had a cool sounds like a cool cool father cool stuff i i,
2: I should show you his uh, his twitter account he posts a lot of great memorabilia that he and his father have collected over the years because his father drove a cab for 40 years so he had all kinds of amazing people ride in the cab they've been doing these little stories about the different um people that rode in his cab everyone from uh, jacqueline onassis to joe frazier to jose feliciano that just yeah
0: really cool That's not so, wow wow um a topic I think we could tackle in a future episode would be what has Spotify done to the album? Good or bad? Yeah, like the... If, if, cause I will say in the old days we would we would get duped, right? You had to buy an album with 12 songs on it, of which two were good, if you were lucky. I remember buying some albums that had one hit on it and you felt like sort of taken hostage but you didn't really know any better at the time now i don't have to listen to 12 tracks of the new coldplay album i i just have to get the one or two songs that i like from any of their albums and, but spotify and what that's done we should go we should actually do a, a, a what's the album with the most hits on it that hit your radar maybe as mm-hmm. a kid or as you got older and it sounds like that Miami sound machine one might be one, one of yours, but I know I have a couple. But let's uh, let's just finish up. So my my album first CD I bought Tr- Terrence Trent Darby introducing the Hardline. Salim, do you even know who no. Terrence Trent Darby is? Huh? No, I, I could not. tell by your face that you thought <laughs> you de- just there was there wasn't a glimmer not a glimmer of rec- of of connecting <laughs> t- to that name w- well you might know him by his new name perhaps uh he ha- he renamed himself it was here somewhere oh Sen- sananda maitreya does that does that ring any bells no it does not justin you're a music guy does that ring in- does it did you know he changed his uh, name I to had, sananda no, i didn't, Man- I didn't maitreya? even know that no no yeah i didn't know it actually until yesterday but <laughs> introducing the Hardline uh, had such hits as sign your name mm-hmm. dance little sister wishing well was a big hit mm-hmm. and and he had that album and then i did some reading up on him for this just to prep a bit after that he had a bomb album that or if it, it, it was a failure complete failure he apparently tried to go in a different direction and it didn't work and he kind of fell off out of the mainstream and that was the end of him so a one album wonder but a phenomenally talented guy i went and looked listened to some of his old youtube stuff or some of some of the older stuff including after that hit so so it was in the late 80s i think that he had that uh, that album and like five or six years later i listened to some stuff of him doing live performances man it's amazing amazing stuff Fake it till you make it. This is a mantra that I mean, familiar probably to a lot of people, that whole idea that if you're not, th- you know, dress for f- not for where you are, but where you want to be, get yourself into the mindset of not the job you're in now, but the one you want to be in, and fake it till you make it, whether you're there or not. I want to ask you guys, first off, do you guys ever fake it till you make it? Or have you ever fake faked it till you made it? Like, yeah. Do you believe in this? Yeah, I I, I did. I mean,
1: <laughs> you uh, faked
0: that. You did. You said like it's past
1: tense. Past tense. Past tense. I think I'm, I tried to be a little bit more genuine nowadays. In fact, I I can't bother faking. I can't. I really can't bother anymore. Uh, I'm too lazy. Uh, but <laughs> uh, when I think it was. I totally did fake it till you make it uh, when I was out job hunting in college because that's all you got. That's all you got. Um, Mm. got, like For me, it was just about, you know, you, you, you don't have any qualifications. You don't have anything. And it's just about presenting yourself in the most appealing way possible to the person who's recruiting you, um, regardless of what, what lies beneath, uh, and, and trying to get them to, to hire you. And, um, and I did that mainly with one company uh, and that was the company that, that ended up hiring me, uh, because I was sort of laser focused on, uh, on, on getting that one job. Uh, but you know, at, at that point, uh, I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to graduate from from college because um, uh, sort of circumstance, sort of it, 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 there were some interesting circumstances around uh, my uh, whether I'd be able to graduate or
0: not. But I just what what do you mean interesting circumstances?
1: Uh well I mean let's let's just say I I, I mean I, I was just doing very poorly uh, in my classes um but then there were sort of, sort of some other things going on which I won't get into because then it'd be
0: a, a very long podcast but um but faking uh, it so you make it didn't work for grades I guess you
1: No know, it 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 did not work for grades I I did end up graduating barely um but I had to convince the recruiter that I was rock solid and um you're hiring a rock star and i certainly was not
0: all right hold that for a sec because i want to ask you what you did to fake it till you made it specifically with justin how about you what's your take on fake it till you make it
2: yeah i think the uptick the business acumen or the acumen in general to be able to to learn something and be able to execute it, you either can or you can't. I think the fake it or make it part is really more about the confidence and projecting it kind of to somewhat to what Salim is, is alluding to, you know, with this recruiter and and projecting this, this sense of being rock solid. I I don't, um, I don't really believe too much in fake it to make it unless there's an element of kind of like your, the self-talk isn't right. Like maybe you're, you're not necessarily putting yourself in the right mind space and you kind of have to just knuckle up and say like, you know, I got this, even though you may not feel like you do, but you did put in the prep or you do have the framework or you do have the general sense of what it is you can, you can deliver. And it's just the self-talk. I think a lot of times is what we're trying to quiet in a, in a sense with that, um, the saboteurs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, there's a word you used um, around. Uh, I think affirmations, um, Clark. You know. Yeah, um,
0: affirmations. Yeah, where you say something to yourself and sort of until you believe it. I guess.
2: Yeah, um, if you haven't seen it, I'd highly suggest looking for uh, the coach, the mindset coach, who recently gave some interviews um, on about his uh, his coaching. Um, and his coachee is, uh, miss Barty, the woman who won the Australian open, uh, this last week. And her mindset coach gave this phenomenal, uh, mini like, speech or whatever, um, discussion about how it is. They prepare, how they prepare for each point, how they prepare, uh, for her training in general and, and how she approaches, uh, each tournament. And it, this, this, this fake it till you make it part, um, in a way that kind of fades to the background because it becomes more about what she can control and and less about, um, you know, uh, giving too much weight to to maybe some of these other pieces that, that we can't control and that aren't worth um, our time and energy and give us this feeling like we have to fake it till we make it. We usually come into it with some kind of experience, expertise, or success in the past. We're we're never starting a new job. We're never starting something uh, with zero ability. There's a reason you've gotten in the door. It's now up to you to kind of walk through it and and either do it or not do it. And and that that part isn't really the fake it or you make it, fake it till you make it part. It's just it's just putting in the work.
0: Mindset for sure. I have definitely done that. Where I just have to get my mind into it, where I'm not feeling all that confident, going into say a meeting or meeting people for the first time, but I struggle with fake it till you make it. I I, I think that whole thing we did on the saboteurs mm. and the positive intelligence did resonate for me because there's definitely a lot of negative self talk that I think fake it till you make it. You can you can push against it. But I look at it as yeah, for mind mindset. I like what you said. I got this. You know, psych yourself up. But I, in general, like there are people out there I know who I think are in a permanent state of fake it till you make it. <laughs> they just they they got it right down to the the body movements and gestures, and mm. I think they've even studied things like how to how to. Do things physically that make you look like you're in charge. Mm. Like for example, I was in a meeting and there was a guy at the head of the table, and he was in charge. But I knew this guy for a while, and I knew that he was one of these guys who was always talking about titles and and how important they were, and that he would one day be you know this super successful guy, and always making alluding to that. And I remember in this meeting at the at the boardroom table. He just did this thing where, when everyone was talking, he would he would pretend to like clear off f- something off the table that wasn't even there, like crumbs or something. And it was just something about this movement of his hand where he'd be looking down, and while someone was talking, and and it was I remember looking at him and thinking, "There's something about that that kind of makes him look like he's in charge somehow." Mm-hmm. I, I do you know <laughs> like what I mean? A power, like, does that, like a power move, yeah. Yeah, like he, it was like he was, like, I don't know if you can see me doing it right now, but he was, yeah. like, just moving, like, stuff off, and then he would look up, and he'd be like, mm-hmm. And there was something about it that seemed, like, powerful, and I wondered, did he look that up? Like, how do I look like I'm in charge? Okay, fake, pretend you're moving crumbs off the table. Or he would play with his tie sometimes, like, he would, he would look at it, and then, then he would look up at the person who was talking. It was just something about that.
2: Are we mistaking so. a, a a move that looks uh, contrived with OCD?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe and maybe it's all in my head. Maybe if he's <laughs> just maybe he's he is OCD. But there <laughs> was something about it that gave him this in-control look mm. Mm. to him. So, I wonder I wonder why is that a power move though? I mean, uh, like
1: uh, how, how does how does that look like I, I I I probably wouldn't think the same way for like just, you know, okay. just just be me.
0: Well, okay. So if I'm sitting here like I'm gonna I don't want to go far from the mic, but if I'm sitting back while you're talking in a meeting, yeah. and this yeah, is yeah. me, <laughs> doesn't that look powerful? And I was just pretending to scrape some crumbs off the. Doesn't that to look, me, Isn't you're, there something you're basically about basically
2: saying I'm listening to you, but what I'm doing is more important? But I am listening to you.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. That 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 I that I agree with. That I agree with. Like you you've so, you've constantly, even even though it's something absolutely trivial, I've always got something more important to do.
0: But I am listening. I mean, it's kind of an asshole thing, but yeah. there was and that's all that's it. So are you an asshole if you're faking until you make it? Do you have to be an asshole? Is that part of faking until you make it? I don't think I, I so. I really
2: I, I wish we would have a, a female voice in this conversation to be honest with mm. you because there there this is a discussion sometimes that we have uh, amongst um, minority and female voices in the workplace you know that that they aren't they don't have the same ability to to kind of just say yes or attempt to get quote unquote the opportunity that sometimes men have always felt like they can just leap at, even though they only have 10% of the the skills or background to, to go ahead and jump at. So from a professional standpoint, uh, yeah, that's, the fake it till you make it thing is a, is a broader topic that I think we could bring other voices in to kind of get some additional perspectives on something like this.
0: I, I agree. If my wife was listening to this episode, which she probably won't. Um, <laughs> actually, she does listen occasionally. But she she would definitely. So this is where you need a, a female voice to, um, to give her opinion, because and I'd say, well, why don't you come on the show? She'd be like, no, I'm not coming on a show. I don't like talking about things on, on, in public. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we better move on. because. And Justin, or Salim, you were, I was going to ask you what you did. What was faking it till you make it? Was it just this mindset pump you up sort of stuff? Or was there something you did? Like, did you scrape crumbs off a table? I,
1: or? Didn't not, I did not scrape crumbs off the table, but it was um just a, a f- it was a few things right even though I was really unsure and unconfident of what I was doing, just convincing yourself to to look confident you know be able when when you're when you're talking to an interviewer kind of uh you know Shoulder, sh- shoulder squared, kind of look, look the, look the, look the person, you know, straight in the eye, and, uh, and, and, and repeat, sort of the few things that uh, I had quickly learned online, um, you know, a few hours before the interview. It's, it's that kind of stuff. Um, I, I was applying for an, uh, an, you know, insurance underwriting job, and I didn't really know much about it, so it was just search online, what is this all about, uh, you know, pick up a few. Uh, bits and pieces here and there uh things that I can you you know turn into my own words and uh, and when when asked uh repeat repeat that and or, or say that in a sort of fairly confident sounding way back to the the person who's interviewing me and i i don't know there's there was no malice in in what I was doing it was just trying to get a job but mm. uh when when you don't for me it was like when when you don't really have anything else uh to to work with you just have to you know find those little bits and pieces and uh uh, and go with that right
0: that was that was my thinking at the time at least this episode is brought to you by pace painting pace painting serving all your painting needs whether it's commercial or residential now full disclosure pete is my brother-in-law And I would recommend him to do work for anyone. He's done several jobs for us. We've always been satisfied. We've recommended him to friends and family. He's great. Email Peter at paintwithpace at gmail.com or visit his Facebook page at Pace Painting Inc. That's paintwithpace at gmail.com or visit his Facebook page, Pace Painting Inc. Okay. Ready for rapid fire, guys? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Rapid fire, where we take two minutes to discuss randomly chosen topics, of which we've sort of had some prep in what they might be, but I still randomly choose them. So let's start out with... I'm going to start the time... It'll be two minutes, just so we all know. We have two minutes collectively to talk about the topic, and when the bell goes, we we stop and move to the next topic. The boss or coworker perhaps that sends the email at 1130 at night. What's what's your feeling about it? Should they do it? Should they not do it? What sort of, what does it do go?
2: It depends. I mean, if there's a deal that's about to close and everyone kind of knows that something's going on, I'm not saying it's all hands, but if you're still awake and you check the email and a quick response is helpful in sending it out, you send it, but is there an expectation? No, no. There's no expectation to actually come to some kind of solution. Maybe there's something to nudge it along if you have something to contribute, but outside of that, no. Definitely no expectation. If it's
1: if it's super urgent and and I know that it's being sent from a phone, I can I can be like, okay, I, I that's that's fine. But if I know it's being sent from the computer at 11:30 p.m., like. Come on! What are, so the what guy are with doing? his
0: laptop opened up yeah. on the kitchen table?
1: Yeah, I mean, come on, come on, L- let it let it go. Work's not that important, Clark. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I like just what Justin's saying. It's a it's a major deal. Something in the works. Everybody's waiting for. You know what's the update? I I like that. I I think when I thought of this topic, it was that it's those emails that get sent to you at eleven thirty at night saying, "Hey, thanks for your email. Definitely want to connect." Definitely want to connect next week, uh, and it's just like you didn't need to send this to me at 11:30 at night. What's the message that I'm getting when I when I read that? And now it reminded me of when I worked in Japan because of the time zone difference. That that that's the one area where it's tough because overnight you might get emails from North America or vice versa. You get emails from overseas, mm-hmm. so that's different. Yeah, that's, that's different.
2: different. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. If you don't reply, there might be another twenty-four hour lag, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah in yeah, fact, that, I used that, to that like
0: leveraging thing. it. You could leverage it. In fact, you could lose a lot of time if you didn't take advantage of that too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the be- there it goes. I was going to say, I must have had my it's my boxing bell. Okay. Next topic. I'm turn that up so it's jarringly loud next time. <laughs> <laughs> next topic binge watching name a show you binge watched go uh
1: this must have been a few i mean this was a a few months ago but uh, i binge watched uh, the expanse which is a um it's a sci-fi um it's a sci-fi show um and it's on it's on amazon prime and uh, i think it's a season four or something it's a it's a bit it's a bit too too much to to get into but
0: it's um if you but like it was so so cat you you were cap, like just caught up in it so much you just want did you go in wanting to binge watch it or did you when when
1: when i when i'm gonna binge watch something i know that i'm gonna binge watch something so like um i know that i've got i don't know eight hours to of of maybe nothing nothing going on uh, and i know i'm just gonna go like straight into it so that's when i know i'm gonna binge watch But um, The Expanse for sci-fi, people like sort of space, space space-related
0: sci-fi. It's really cool. I binge-watched 24. That was probably the first series. I think that introduced binge-watching the show 24. They they had the formula to hook you that you just could not not watch the next episode. You could feel it. In that last- mi- five minutes it, uh, we're in for the next episode. They the just hanger. had the formula to hook you. You felt yourself being hooked in, like you look at the clock and it was ten thirty and you knew you really should be going to bed, and you're like, "No, we're definitely going one more episode."
2: Yeah, I recently, recently, in the last year, I rewatched, uh, not rewatched, I watched for the first time a show I missed, which was The West Wing. Uh, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. it. That's enough Aaron Sorkin for a lifetime for me. <laughs> it's smart writing, but it's a bit overbearing after a while. But uh, to your point about the original binge watch, I'd argue maybe even The Sopranos and some of those HBO shows were kind of some of the original binge watches when they released on DVD.
0: Ring lights. These are the, the lights that people can put up to light themselves up. They're in a circular shape. They're, they um, illuminate you uh, mostly for webcam usage, meetings, that sort of thing. Do you own a, web, a ring light? Do you have any feelings about people who do own them? Go.
2: I do not I have a ring even... light. Yeah. I do not plan on getting a ring light. I am saying this from a place of privilege. I do not need to put on makeup before I get on a video call. I do not have to get lucky. presentable, right? <laughs> but I do have friends who do some some work in social media and on uh, certain platforms and a ring light and the different filters that those, those platforms utilize. I think a ring light is essential. So I, I 100% get
1: it uh, if it's part
2: of your profession. But
1: if you don't need one, why bother? Yeah, uh, thanks for the explanation there clark because um you you actually had to explain this to me um a few minutes ago because i didn't even know what a ring light was and uh, yeah but I, when you explained it i knew i knew what 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 it sort of like what it, what it is and 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 the fact that people use it um yeah if if you're a if you're a person who's making like youtube videos and stuff like yeah by by all means have a have a ring light but um, for, for common folk like myself, I, I don't
0: need it. I don't think I'll ever get one. Uh, yeah. I mean Well, well as yeah. a famous podcaster, yeah. I, I will say I am I do own a ring light. It's part of my job to look good on podcasts, so I got a light up. Uh, so I own one. and if I could move this laptop without disconnecting this entire podcast, I would show it to you. but yeah. I am the owner of a a ring light. And I, you know, I was talking to a guy a few, a couple, like a year ago when this all was, you know, kind of full swing. He, he made it a point of saying, I will never own a ring light. As though this was something like, I don't know. He had a very strong feelings about owning a ring light. And here I am. I own, I own one. Did he have a face for radio? (laughs) (laughs) Per se by the bell. All right, let's do one more. Uh, rage quitting, Justin. This was one of your ideas. Um, rage quitting. That. Uh, well, let you let you explain it very quickly, and then we'll start the timer, in case people don't know what it is. Yeah. So, rage quitting really comes from gaming
2: or video gamers. Yeah, so when someone's so frustrated with the way they're playing, or maybe their teammates playing, or they're just getting completely crushed in a game, so they may quit the game in a fit of rage, often shutting off the console, throwing their remote. So kind of taking this term to other parts of life, what topic of discussion or maybe action taken by someone else or response from someone makes you want to rage quit? Maybe you want to rage quit a video call you're on, a meeting you're in, a podcast <sighs> you're listening to.
0: What, where, Or have you rage quit before? All right, well, I've rage quit in a video game setting. I, uh, I play a baseball game called Super Mega Baseball 3. There's an online component to it where you have online opponents, and I've rage quit on a couple of occasions. Um, things that will make me rage quit that game will be somebody who's breaking the code of baseball, running up the score, up six, seven, eight, nine runs, and they're stealing bases. I you're gone, man. I'm rage quitting if, if you do that. <laughs> Honor the code of baseball. I've got into back and forth with people like, that was Bush League. How dare you? Why do you need to steal with your up nine runs? Come on. Come on. So rage quitting, I'm fully for it when it comes to things like that. Yeah, Salim? No, I I
1: I, I don't rage quit. I'm, um, I'm, I'm actually a very i'm a very calm collected person i'd like to think
0: Um, i normally am but you run up the score like that and steal a base (laughs) (laughs) fuck that clark i feel you i feel you clark (laughs) and if
1: i were in you know if if i was passionate as you were i would maybe rage quit as well but um nah i'm I'm, like even when there's something that's really really annoying I'll, i'll um yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll try to stay as calm and collected as possible. I know that's really boring, but that's that's kind of who I am. Justin, over to you.
0: But oh, wait, is that one of those things where you're really, you're hiding this emotion, but it's boiling deep down and it's yeah. maybe leading to like no, no, problems I just, down the road? And... I, no,
1: I, I literally just take a, you know, I just exhale and, and everything's okay. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. That's it.
0: We didn't give Justin a chance. He explained it. That was his contribution to that. Yeah, topic. I, I was
2: saved by the bell. What I was going to contribute probably wouldn't be so great.
0: <laughs> probably not. Okay, uh, one more. Uh, we got fifty. Uh, we're at fifty-four. We better. That's it for rapid fire, guys. Good. Uh, good job. Let's uh, get to. We did already some watching, reading, listening to. I think so. I think we're going to skip that. Justin has a, a weird news item for us today. What What do you got there, Justin?
2: Right. So, a guy and his girlfriend broke into a school to recover you stuff. Do you have a headline?
0: Are you going to give us a headline? Or a
2: Man breaks into school to recover stuff teacher took from him. <laughs> okay. I'll get to the last part of the headline in a moment. So, it's not exactly clear what was confiscated from the guy, but whatever it was, he really wanted it back. Uh, so last week when the school was closed for, or actually a couple weeks ago, uh, when the school was closed for winter vacation, he was accompanied by his girlfriend and he snuck into the school. And the eventual goal was to recover his contraband. Uh, the two managed to get inside one of the school's staff rooms, but it wasn't long before an employee who was actually on the premises heard them talking loudly and called the police to report the intruders. Uh, Oblivious to the law enforcement coming, the couple was still in the school when the officers arrived on the scene and they were arrested for trespassing. Uh, Getting the police involved, as opposed to maybe calling their parents and telling them to come pick up their misbehaving children, might seem like overkill, as may have arresting them instead of suspending them from school. But the thing is, though, that the gentleman and his girlfriend were 63 and 58 years old, respectively. They both attended the school that they broke into and graduated from it well over 40 years ago. So it's not exactly sure, clear, whether he was trying to get back a trading card, a dirty magazine, or a Game Boy that was stolen 40 years ago. But what is clear was that they were very inebriated when they broke into this school to exact some kind of retribution or try to mm. recover these goods that were confiscated from him 40 plus years ago at this school. But, uh, in the end, what I'm left <laughs> wondering is, um, how, how much do, does a person hold a grudge to, to, to come up with the idea? fifty. F- 40-50 years later, to to go back to that school and to try and find the teacher who's probably long since gone, and try and find whatever was confiscated from them at this school that they went to.
0: Well, and uh, what made them think they were still there? Yeah, like, yeah that the that's, stuff. That that's a question. Was. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys able to hear me? Okay. Yeah, Sorry, my yeah yeah yeah. I can hear you fine.
1: Okay. Uh yeah,
0: so Except the fact that like wanted. what did they t- take I was say like Pokemon cards, but if he's 60 that's maybe. Yeah. No, so that I'd yeah, be curious about that. Yo. Yeah. This is uh, this is in
2: the
1: northern prefecture of Hokkaido. Oh, yeah. yeah. well, this was yeah. in Japan. Yeah, Ah, oh, oh, so this a Japan, Japan weird news story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. The, the I, I immediately assumed this was a, a North American story. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this Which is.
2: is this. Yeah.
0: Does the Japan part of that make more sense? Like, does it make the story more believable in any way? Mm. No. Okay. I know Salim's very—he's not so keen on the, uh, the the fact we do tend to gravitate toward Japan when it comes to the strange news. But, uh, no, no, Japan, uh, no, no, no,
1: not, not, not at all, not at all. Japan has plenty of weird, weird things going on. So, yeah, I skipped
2: the I, I skipped the traditional Japan weird stories. I just went for the story that was a bit more, you know, very strange. Because I mean, where where. where are we? One, At no point in being inebriated have I thought, I want to break into someone, one. And two, I've never thought, I want to now exact revenge upon someone for some wrong that was committed decades ago. I mean, the, the, to harbor this kind of thing is, is definitely not the Salim mantra of breathe and keep it moving. That's for sure, Now. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Now, is it, was this, uh did it say if it was a high school or elementary school? It was a junior high school. Junior high, so how old would that be?
2: So he's now 63, and, so figure junior high here is up to ninth grade. So it's 50, 50, 50 years 15 ago, 15. right? Yeah, so it's, hmm. it's pushing uh, 48, 50 years. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah i'm just visualizing in my head things that were taken from me as a youth in school right and was there anything i didn't get back that i would still be thinking about and i nothing comes to mind i I don't know if you've ever seen the movie a christmas story but the the teacher had a drawer with all the things she confiscated there were those like teeth chatter Thingies, like wind-up teeth chattering things and whole bunch of you know the fact that shots and things like that, that which you confiscate. Uh but I can't so there's maybe stuff like that as a kid they took away from us, but there's nothing that I can recall I would be I mean, Yeah, but as you I need mean to get
1: back more. as a junior high student, like what in the world could you have had that is worth trying to get back 50 years later?
0: And the fact that you actually think it's still there. Oh, yeah, exactly.
2: I, I, think, I think maybe we're skipping, I mean, I don't mean to play an armchair psychologist here, but I think we're skipping the part here where it's a 63-year-old and his 58-year-old girlfriend. And I think boys, men, never grow out of the phase of trying to impress their girlfriend. And it's some weird sh- weird framing of this. I could imagine them being in a bar and him sharing some weird story and her making some kind of comment, egging him on slightly, not really encouraging. And he just
0: takes that and runs with it and says, all right, let's go. And just did it. That's very Stephen Covey, right? Seek first to understand, then to be understood. <laughs> <laughs> or armchair psychologist. <laughs> um well Mega that's a top. good one justin i gotta put that up there on the top on the list of top weird news stories i i think that one when, when we do the we talked about this weird news story uh, look back at the best ofs i think that one's going to be right up there in the top three or four maybe five but good job <laughs> well gents I didn't say in the top. I mean, everybody probably assumes that you guys are in Tokyo and I'm in Toronto, so that means early mornings for me and later nights for you. But as always, good, uh, good to talk to you, good to connect, and we'll see you on the next episode that that you are on. Hey, can I can I can we quickly time time stamp this though? Because
1: it's I think there's something rather interesting going on i mean we right, while, while yeah. we are while we are recording this the uh winter olympics uh opening ceremony is is, is going on right now in, in beijing and you're right uh, you know you're it's, right
0: you wanted to bring that up and yeah, yeah i have I mean, some I mean, like, feelings want, about this
1: uh I, I i like the winter winter olympics i mean you know
0: i love um, the winter olympics yeah but this one uh, i'm this I'm one not, I'm not yeah. ta- I'm not happy this' about one's, this one, yeah this one, this one's a where it one. is and what's going on, yeah, Maybe we can, I know we can- Justin's going to be quiet because this is where he doesn't want s- some uh, his words to come back when he's at the uh the border going into China when he gets pulled aside, and they say, we have some infer- we have something we want you to listen to, or actually he yeah, probably wouldn't yeah. even know that he would just be sent immediately to a, a prison camp or something yeah, right so after Justin- they
2: rage quit my passport, yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, Yeah, I love the Winter Olympics. I I struggle Mm. with this one. Two Mm. things. Number one, the politics that are going on in the background, and I won't really elaborate much further than that. The two Michaels, I don't know if you guys know the two Michaels situation in Canada, where these two guys were basically locked up for the last two and a half years. Oh, yes. uh,
1: Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connected to that
0: Huawei executive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, The finance executive, Yeah. 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 Who has since been, I think, released and they've since been released. Um, there's a lot of stuff around that. But the, the mm-hmm. other thing, the, the more funny or light part of it is that the, there will be no NHL players at this Winter Olympics because mm-hmm. of COVID. There were too many games that the NHL lost 50, you know, six weeks ago that this is their reason anyway that they're saying they can't participate. It's because there's too many games to make up and the Olympics mm-hmm. would have meant a two week break. Mm. Uh, for the nhl Mm. so that Mm. was something i was looking forward to and in a way because they're not participating i don't feel so bad about not really paying too much attention and there's also the time zone factor it's so course around you know mixed up or upside down for us but the hockey i would have made a point of watching yeah so for better or for worse winter olympics are
1: kicking off as we as we record this and, um, yeah, I just are you' watching to... them
0: there, you got them on in the background
1: yeah, yeah, I watched the the moguls yesterday pretty uh pretty interesting
0: what's what's on it right now, the opening ceremonies
1: i think it's yeah, it's just the opening ceremony right now,
0: and is it crazily elaborate, like tens of millions spent on it looking
1: i don't know i'm 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 <laughs> I'm not watching this um uh, at the moment, but um, oh, I we'll, thought you we'll,
0: were. I thought it was on in the background.
1: Oh like, uh, no, no. I mean, my my wife's watching it in the living room. But um, well, I'll 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 tell you in the next um, in the next recording whether they'd spent uh, hundreds of millions of dollars on the
0: uh, on the opening ceremony or not. My guess is they did. I bet they did.
2: Real quick, listeners. Since we're talking sports, real quick. If you haven't seen the highlights from earlier this week nadal versus medvedev for the australian open final was a five-hour match nadal came back from two sets down and he unbroke a tie with between himself federer and djokovic to become the winningest grand slam men's single champion it was an epic match that lasted five hours until about 2 a.m local time in melbourne australia uh, it was an amazing feat considering the guy he just had surgery i think six months ago and covid a month and a half ago
0: it, it was, Saw that yeah yeah it's <clears> a great <throat> match i didn't know about covid i knew he had a was it knee surgery
2: yeah yeah he had knee surgery and he also had covid about a month and a half ago yeah.
0: all right good for the good sports update it'll be time captured this <laughs> moment on we talked about this gentlemen awesome to have you thank you clark <laughs> Sorry, before we go into this, what is a ring light? Okay, ring light's the, the thing that you use to light up your face. Uh, like you can get, it's like a oh, circular...
1: Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, okay, okay, it's now, a now Yeah, yeah I,
0: I, I know that, I know that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's a that's ring light. A, yeah. Oh, so I right, want to ask right, you about it. That's called a ring light. Okay, awesome. You learned something on We Talked About This <laughs> every day. Does that make sense? No.
1: No, it doesn't. Every Every episode.